How are you doing there? Just a quickie before we start. On the Apple podcast, why don't you double click on David McWilliams Plus? It's right there when you open the podcast. You get ad free, you unlock early access. Just double click and away you go. David McWilliams Plus, you get this pure and simple. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. How are you doing there? It is podcast time. We are now officially in what we would call, John, the organ section of our discussion, which is where John (laughs) and I discuss not organs, we discuss ailments. Oh, yes. The various different ailments that are blighting us as we move. Who wants to start? What should we start with? My knees? Your your knees are very bad. I'm going to call you Roy Keane. (laughs) For the skill as much as... Your ability to dominate the middle of the park. What's wrong with your knee, man? Oh, my meniscus, which is the cartilage, I believe. I don't know. This is because you're such a sporting individual. Yes, that's it. Over many years, you have, you know, sprayed balls around the middle of the park. (laughs) That's it. That's it. But it's just, this is just the ailment section, right? Where John and I would talk about what is really afflicting us and our various different pills were taking. Well, tell me, so you're going so for I an got, operation. I, I need an operation. I went for an MRI there last week and it's the ligaments and it's the cartilage and I feel Such like... Such a I, loss to Irish sport. I feel like an old man, Mac. <laughs> I feel like an old man. And that's just one of my ailments. I'll give you another list. Look, I, I have a big list here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, it's good to see you because I've been away and uh, I haven't seen you since Kilconomics. In fact, I'm reading just here, Robert Shrimsley in the FT is writing about Kilconomics. He's actually writing about what it's like being an Englishman abroad oh, these days. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Right? And he says, like, he says, for English guys of his age, he's about the same vintage as ours. He says, yeah. you know, we're used to a bit of needle, right? We're, we're used to a thing. Yeah. He, says, he said, what really freaked me out at Kilconomics as an Englishman on the stage in Ireland was the Irish beginning to pity us. <laughs> did he get a hard time? Did no, he? he didn't. He didn't. But he just, he, he was very nice. He said the Kilkenomics Clever Original Festival, full disclosure, the FT has been a backer for a number of years, which is true. Yeah. And he said the genius is to put economists, writers, and the odd stray journalists like himself on panels chaired by sharp comedians who ensure it remains entertaining as well as incisive. And if a show ever seems to be losing momentum, the moderator breaks the glass and releases the English jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, Mac, I have to say, it was a humdinger. Kilconomics this year was a humdinger and well done. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Well, look, it worked, it worked extremely well. It worked extremely well. And uh, for those of you 
lining up for next year. It's, a, it's the same weekend, 2nd to the 5th of November, next weekend in Kilkenny. And the reason I next say year. this... What did I say, next weekend? Next year. Next, <laughs> next year. keen, this fella. Yeah. <laughs> next year, November 2023, the 2nd to the 5th of the said month of November. And the reason I'm saying this is because hotels went really, really quickly yeah. in Kilkenny. Yeah. So if you're into it and, and you fancy coming along again, you could do worse than just booking your hotel now because the prices True. go through the roof, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, and I've been in the States, John. I've been in the You've States. You've been off gallivanting. I've been, I've been back here in the Orange Lodge covering, I know. covering your ass, man. Covering my <laughs> ass, man. I was at the swankiest <laughs> dinner last Sunday night oh? in the oh? States and I was sitting beside... The Nobel Prize winner for economics, Joe Stieglitz. Oh, oh, just drop the name. Oh. And just to put that in context, that's a bit like being asked to do keepy uppies with Maradona. <laughs> for me. Okay. What, what, what did he win the Nobel Prize for? His Prize whole, for? all work, mainly on international trade. But he's right, okay. Really, it's not, really, not lemons. Not lemons. Not the Mar- cars. That's, that's my friend, Mr. Akerlof. <laughs> Akerlof, who is Janet Yellen's husband. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but Stieglitz, lovely, lovely guy. Really, really interesting. Or Bernanke's man. nonsense. Or Bernanke's, well. yeah, yeah, exactly. Bernanke's anyway. also, he's given the Nobel Prize to cover up for the fact that economics didn't understand money. Yes, that's yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's actually it. Tell us about Stieglitz. And I know I was sit- sitting beside. Stieglitz. Now, it's, for me, this is the real... This is real. Yeah, yeah, you were this fanboying is, all oh, over. I was fanboying. So it's Stieglitz on the one side and Laura Dandrea Tyson. Now, she was the head, the chairperson of the President's Council of Economic Advisors under Clinton, a job that Stieglitz also had subsequently. Right. Okay. So between these two big, we, we big brains her. of... Econ- we had her, she was on the show yeah, she about was a year ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So these two big brains of American economics. And for me, it was just, I was almost just taking notes. <laughs> taking notes. Just imagine. John, the yeah, fuck. Go on, yeah, yeah. But yeah. It's a bit, it's a, it would be a bit like you sitting with Bob Dylan. True, yeah. You know, yeah like, or like, Danny Lamar or something like that. One of those guys. Yeah. Actually, speaking of which, I've just finished Bono's book. It's really good. Surrender. So I believe. It's Unbelievably good. I mean, if you're if you're a fan of music, if you're a fan of the business, if you're a fan of you too, of course. But if you're a fan of writing, but also if you're a fan of coming to terms with yourself and trying to figure out your who you are, it's incredibly raw, it's incredibly open, it's very, very self-critical, I think, of himself. Right, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. much analyzing why do I do this? What pushes yeah. me on, you know? And it's and on then, my Christmas list, by the way. Yeah, no, but it's, it's, and the writing is exceptional. I mean, the writing is so, it's pithy, it's amusing, it's emotional, it's deep. I mean, I, 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 I can see why it's doing really well. Right. And all the reviews see, are. See, that doesn't surprise me. I don't know why that, like that no, really doesn't surprise, really doesn't surprise me either. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. But I mean, it reinforces the enormity of the talent. And when I you're believe- able to write an autobiography like that, you know, and then you think, okay, well, this is the guy who wrote all these classic songs. So, of course. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the yeah, actual yeah. writing, the writing is amazing. Storytelling is outstanding. The subject matter. Like, you, again, you forget the extraordinary thing is four lads come together from North Dublin. Yeah. And they end up the biggest rock band in the world, in the most competitive industry in the world. Mm. That story is amazing. At a very competitive time as well. At a very competitive time, mm. you know? And the, the, the type of the, the individuals involved in the band, the different personalities in the band, you know, the problems within the band, the various different, yeah. you know, 
Bono wanted to go one way, Edge wanted to go the other way, Larry and Adam seemed to be together, wanted to go a different way, and how they kept the whole thing together, the role of Paul McGuinness in mm. orchestrating the business side of it. I mean, it's it's a, it's a fascinating I'm looking read. forward to it, actually. And and I've seen a couple of clips from, because he's on this, this oh, on the road show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but I saw the clip from, was the late show, where he talked about With or Without You and the writing of that song, what it's about, and himself and Ali, him off touring and then coming back home and them, them going on walks down the Bray seafront and the, the water coming in, the sound. And he describes it beautifully. And the difficulty of being a rock star, you know, first of all, problems I know, but yeah. but it, it, he he tells it really well. And then he goes into the song With or Without You, which is one of my favourite songs of theirs. And it's just fantastic. Well, really I mean, good. the whole book is an homage to Ali Hewson. Yeah. And that relationship, and then his relationship with his father, very, very tricky one as well. And he goes into that a lot in the, you know, the relationship with his family and his mum dying very early. Yeah. And, and you know, and how that, that affected him. And, you know, and it's 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 an interesting one, you know, the amount of those rock stars like Paul McCartney himself, Geldof, whose mothers died when they were in their early teens. You know, mm. it's not as it's not a theme, but it's just an interesting observation. But it's uh, it's very very well worth for music lovers, even for Irish sort of popular history, our yeah. generation's history, and and it's an extraordinary achievement. I, I think it's it's really really well worth it. Stick it on the Christmas list. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now we are going to talk about planning for ten million, John. Right, 10 million listeners? 10 million listeners. And we've <laughs> surpassed that years ago. Which is kind of, I mean, on a weekly basis. <laughs> it's kind of bonkers. No, 10 million people living on this island by 2050, right? So right. if you look at what's happening in population dynamics of this country, right, we are moving towards a country. I mean, my assumption is by 2050, this island will be united constitutionally in some form or other, right? right? Okay, okay. Like, okay. doesn't matter how it happens, when it happens. Well, it does matter how it happens and when it happens. But I'm saying that the momentum is so obvious because the momentum is population yes, based, right? Yeah, yeah. So then you think, okay, what does it look like? What does a united island look like? First of all, you think it's going to be unbelievably different population-wise. Mm to anything that went before. Well, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, so you're talking about a population that structurally is going to be different. Structurally is going to be different. But first of all, it's going to be at least eight and a half million people on the island. At least right. moving towards 10 million. This is why I call the United Ireland Project planning for 10 million. And I think right. as a slogan, it's much more impressive than, you know, Chucky our law, arts, you know, all that <laughs> yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, but basically yeah. what you're talking about is some Big possibility. Yeah, it's not yeah, like yeah. unfinished business that we're going to do with Northern Ireland. No, no, it's it's, it's the like, next phase. We, it's the we next need, phase, and yeah. we need to be really kind of okay. Fill, fill in some well, of the well, gaps. Well, the way the, 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 well, the way, way I looked at this, right? You know the way if you have teenage kids, which you have had and you still have, right? Okay, <laughs> sure do, right? And you buy clothes for them, yeah, and they're growing, particularly like in my my case, a young fella, right? Yeah, yeah, who yeah. goes from like four foot to six foot. Yeah. In about three weeks, right? So when you're buying clothes for teenage boys in particular, when they're going through their growth spurt, right? Mm. It's always advisable to buy bigger shoes, bigger school uniforms, bigger jumpers, bigger yeah. tracksuits, 
bigger brogues, yeah. bigger football boots than they actually have because they grow out of them. I can hear my mother say, I don't worry about it. You'll grow into it. <laughs> exactly. I remember going around, because I've got very small feet and I'd have for size, my mother would buy size 10s, which I never grew into. Yeah. As a little seven and a half, size 80, seven and a half first night. Small feet, eh? Hey, stop that. Enormous elsewhere. Enormous, right? Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. There's a Trump aspect to that. <laughs> hey, have you seen my small hands? Go on, go on. Anyway, me up. I can't believe I walked into that. <laughs> you teed it up. David Mac Micro. <laughs> Fanta pants. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the economics, right? So, in the same way as you buy clothes a size too big for kids who are growing, yeah. when you're planning an economy, you should always plan for more than less, right? So the idea is that everything Ireland does now, everything we do as an economic entity should be about planning for 10 million people on the island. Mm. So that means our health, our education, our housing, our transport, all those key indicators should be planning. And the reason is the following, right? The CSO, right? Think about the CSO, right? The CSO's projections for the population of the Republic of Ireland are estimated that the population is going to increase by 41% in the coming 30 years. I mean, that's huge. That's enormous. So it's swelling to about 6.7 million at least. And that's based on what? That's based on fertility rates right. remaining the same. Mm. And it's also based on immigration remaining the same. So immigration is a big part of the story. Okay. okay? okay. But if you think about that, 6.7 million, right? And then you, you take the population of Northern Ireland, right? Which is, again, like many things in Northern Ireland, is much less dynamic than the South and has been for many, <laughs> many years. It's just, it's weird. I mean, yeah, it's just yeah, the way yeah. it is. And, you know... But the, the Northern Irish Statistic Association, right, the NISRA, estimate the population of the North is set to grow by about 2% to 1.94 million by 2050, right? But if you take together, that means the population of the country, the island, would be 8.6 million people. And when you have that sort of internal dynamic, mm. the population rises very, very quickly. So the notion that the population will rise to 10 million is completely, yeah. and it's, completely it's almost a conservative idea. Now, what does that do? That changes the entire yeah, of sense course. of the country. You know, I mean, then Ireland will become much more like a country like Austria or Switzerland in terms of the size of our population. So if you take Austria and Switzerland now, mm. they have a population of between eight, nine million around then. We're going to go that way in 30 years' time. So we've got to be, as they say in the... In and the, everything that comes with that? Be it, all of, do you remember that? The Boy Scouts, we were, I know we were never in the Scouts. I was never in the no, Scouts, I know we were, I know, I, I, I was always like, no, because it clashed with Star Trek, I couldn't be arsed going to it. <laughs> it was, it was on a Tuesday night or something, yeah. I said, fuck that, I'm not going to it. Right? But they used to have this thing called Be Olive, Be Ready. Right, right, right. right. Okay. Anyway. So explain this a little bit more. Well, so so what is happening is the Irish population is rising very, very quickly. Mm. And this is set to continue, according to the CSO. Now, the CSO are quite a conservative organisation. These are not people who would say, you know, we're going to just take a punt on this. So they look at fertility rates. They look at immigration rates. They look at mortality rates. They look at all this dynamic. They look at the potential growth rate of the economy. They look at where we are positioned worldwide, et cetera. And then they make these forecasts, right? Mm. Now, the key driver, or a key driver, not the key, but a key driver is a projected rise in migrants. So what they're saying is that about one in five of the population will be immigrants, will be born abroad, by 2050. Right. So this is going to change dramatically 
the this is again the republic's population, not the north. Right. So it's about nineteen percent of the republic's population will be foreign born. And they're saying in the North will be about 9%. And that, again, reflects the fact that the North tends to be less dynamic. So immigrants don't come to a place which is less dynamic. So it's, it's obviously it's a function of what has been happening. And also the thing is that if you notice the way Irish people emigrated in the past, people emigrate in clusters. So if you go to the States, right, you tell your mates. Yeah. Right. So one yeah. migrant always gets another migrant, gets another migrant, and yeah. then your mates have a place to bed down and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the so immigration is a sort of a network effect. So once you get an immigrant population, that tends to multiply anyway because yeah. they tell their mates about it and yeah. they get in and then they marry each other and la 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 la. So that would be ethnically that would mean that by 2050, 1.87 million people on the island will be foreign born. Now that's a lot. That's mm. a completely ethnically changed country, right? And if you take together those new people who are going to arrive in with the sons and daughters of recent migrants, yeah, what you have is a totally multi-ethnic society. And it changes really, really quickly. So the idea of what being Irish is, what we're going to look like, is yeah. really fluid. It's going to be completely different to our generation. This, you can see the big rise of, of the right wing here. But we'll or, also- maybe, or maybe not. Or maybe mm. not. You know, I mean... The, or a really good football team. We'd have a very, very good football team. <laughs> but I mean, but look, but just to put it in context, right? Already now, there are more... This is a, in the context of Northern Ireland. Because mm. that's the big constitutional yeah. things coming. Already now in Ireland, there's more immigrants on the island of Ireland than there are unionists. Just, right. just take that <laughs> in. I love that stat. That's great. And by 2050, there'll be twice as many immigrants as unionists. Yeah. So that's gone as an issue, Right. So this is why I always say to, to to the brethren who are actually coming down this afternoon, <laughs> the brethren are coming down for the rugby, <laughs> is cut a deal now, man. When yeah. you have a deal to cut, you know, don't 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 wait until there's twice as many immigrants on well, the island as unionists. That's so, not going to happen, surely. But then you have no deal to cut. Like then you're in a tiny minority. Yeah. Whereas now at least there's a sense that, you know. Well, if they're refusing to put uh, the executive of Northern Ireland together, you know, they're hardly going to cut a deal well, at this stage. As I've always said, you know, it was it was de Klerk kind of looked up in South Africa and said, OK, guys, we've got to do a deal now. Because yeah, the longer yeah. we wait, the less the less likely we are going to be able to deal with somebody on the other side yeah. who's going to be reasonable. So that's a, that's an interesting thing. But, but you're right, because if you think then, what are these people going to be doing, Right. Mm. So the working population of this new country is going to be about 60%. So that means about 60% of people in this new population going towards 10 million will be available for work. And the reason that seems quite low is because fellas like you and I will be out of the workforce. We'll be old, old they'll codgers. They'll be paying our pensions. They'll be, be paying more than our pensions. I'm telling you. <laughs> our healthcare, be my paying, new knees. They'll be, they'll be paying a, a debt of gratitude to us for building this country, right? For building the place up. For bequeathing them such a beautiful place, right? But, so we'll all be retired and and, and and very dodgy on our pins, right? Yeah. So, and of course, then what you have is with the with the new immigrant population, you'll have a lot more kids as well. So they're not working. So you'll have about 60%. Yeah. Same in Northern Ireland, about 60% of the population will be working. And then, of course, the implications of what it's going to have to do with, for population, right? Because Ireland is unbelievably skewed towards Dublin at the moment, right? Yeah. Hang on, before you go any further, Matt, because there's, there's... We've got to get paid. <laughs> well, we, we need to get paid, but we need to talk about the implications of all of this. So let's come back to that after a bit of this. Fair enough. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So we have this growing population. We're heading towards 10 million with 60% working population. What are the implications well, for Ireland? The very the first difference is to, in contrast with the rest of Europe, the rest of Europe's population will be falling at this stage. Right, right, right. So we'll right, be a complete right, yes. outlier, right? This is a very interesting thing, right? Is that the rest of Europe's population has been falling for quite some time. Not falling, but the, the dynamic behind population growth, okay? Yeah. Is not But they're there. still going to have the similar, not maybe the same, but similar pressure of immigration as Similar well. pressure of immigration. Similar pressure of immigration, but the, the, the native population is going to be smaller yeah. as a percentage. Like, for example, something fascinating I read that the German, ethnic German population, the native German population, peaked in 1972. 72? 72. What? Yeah. Wow. So uh, has it not been for immigration in Germany, German population would be tiny. Well, not tiny, but much, much smaller. Yeah. So that's now... 80 million plus. But the, wow, the actual ethnic German population peaked in 1972. And so let, let, let's look at look, look at what it means for Ireland, right? Yeah. So at the moment, Ireland is very, very skewed towards Dublin, right? 1.45 million people live in the greater Dublin area. That means 30% of our population lives in, in and around Dublin, right? Now, wow. typically in countries, the way in which population tends to settle is the biggest city is twice as big as the second biggest city, yeah. which is twice as big as the third biggest city, yeah. which is twice as big. So the great example of that would be in the Netherlands or Belgium or in these sort of countries, mm. countries that we will aspire to look like. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. However, in Ireland, crazily, the next biggest city after Dublin is Cork, which only has 4% of the population. So wow. Dublin has 30%. But their Cork ego is huge. The ego is enormous. <laughs> Come here, like I want you. Sorry, 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 sorry. No, you're right. I'm from a Cork family. I know all about it. I have been, I, I, you know, I spent my youth in Cork getting beaten up by my cousins for the crime the of having, twins. by the three twins, for the crime of having been born in Dublin. That was my crime. Yeah. Being a jackine. I know. So we used to get beaten up down Irish college in Ballingary. Yeah, John and I used to get clattered by fellows from Cork all the time for the crime of being from Dunleary, being born in St. Michael's Hospital. <laughs> anyway, we go on, we go on. But with the Nordies in the new country, that means Belfast will be in the new country. And Belfast has a population of close to 700,000. Mm. So it'll skew the population towards the north. So Dublin then, the new population, because there's, you know the, the new population will have about 2 million Nordies in it. Okay, so that means that 
Dublin will be about 20% of the overall. Yeah, it's still Still very, very big. Yeah. Belfast will be about 7%, right? Mm. So it's still big, but at least you're kind of getting to the 1-2 ratio, right? You're getting towards that. And then, I mean, Cork will go mad. Imagine Cork will be the third city. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, the Langers. I think we just lost out on the Cork audience. No, we didn't lose them. We, we didn't lose them at all. It's, 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 it's a, uh, just next time I go down there. Yeah, yeah. You'll get but I, remember, but I, remember, <laughs> I remember years ago when I would be uh, like doing the late, late or prime time or something like this, you know, and your phone would ring afterwards. It was usually my mass and you didn't yeah. look very well and you were looking tired. <laughs> and then particularly after you do the late, late and... Oh, about an hour later, just the text would come in, and all it would just say was Langor. <laughs> and I knew that was my core cousins. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Doesn't get that word at all. I know, Langor. It's a great. It's, I remember we had the Langer mug. Remember, where's that gone? We had the mug with Langer written on it. My cousins gave me it. <laughs> anyway, all I'm saying is this new country will be really very, very different and skewed towards this Dublin-Belfast corridor, which will have a huge amount of population and will have a huge amount of the internal market. So this is something we have to figure out in our planning because if you think about this, we've got to plan your your idea, like what do you do with your health service? Yes. Right, so you say, for example, Austria, Switzerland are our model, right? Now, at the moment, there's lots and lots of talk about you know, in this new United Ireland, the NHS, right? Yeah. But if you look at the data for the NHS, right, the data for the NHS, right? And I, I've actually published something on it this week on Twitter. OECD data for 208 countries suggests that less than 5% of the Irish population have unmet health needs due to financial, geographical, or wait time reasons. So less than 5%. Mm. Now, this is OECD data. This is not the Joe Duffy approach, right? This is actually <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. data, yeah. right? The similar figure is 17% of the UK population yeah. have what they call unmet health needs due to financial, geographical, or time waiting, yeah. right? So it's a huge, huge difference. And also the Lancet, you know that- Because their, their private health care, I think, is- It's very small. Very small compared to, there's a, there's a lot of people on private so, health care so here. In Ireland, it's about 50% of people pay private health insurance. Oh, okay, okay. And about 30% of people- a little bit higher, have a medical card, right? Yeah. So where the health system is most egregious here is for the people between the medical card and the yes. private health. Yeah. So, it's the, so it's the working poor. Yeah. You know the way we always talk about the, the coping class, the people yeah. who are juggling the whole thing yeah. and just don't have the money to go yeah. private, but they're not sufficiently poor to get the wealth, yeah. to get the, the medical cards. So they're kind of, you know. And unfortunately, that's a growing. That's a growing, you know. Yeah. And, it, you know, then, and that's 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 the people we've got to figure out. But, yeah. but if you look at the Lancet, which is this big medical journal, the Irish health system is ranked 11th globally, right? Yeah. Which I, is really quite good. Yeah. You, kind you, of find that hard but to this is because this is because I think most of our discussion about health rarely takes these aggregate data. Because you yeah. can't, because health is all about you. Yes. So yeah, like if everyone else, if the average person is healthy, but you're not, then your story mm. is absolutely legitimate. And then your circumstances are absolutely legitimate because health is personal. Yeah. But what I'm saying is if you look the UK's on the aggregate and the Lancet figures, their health system on all these outcomes is 23rd best in the world. So what I'm saying is this idea you would cut and paste the NHS here. 
no way. Yeah, yeah. You'd yeah. actually maybe try and look at the Austrian system or the Swiss system yeah. and say, okay. Well, the what- HOC is, is you know, has an awful lot of flaws and they need to sort out an awful lot of it. But the answer, as you say, is not necessarily the NHS. Well, I'll give you the Austrian model, just so you know, implies that we have to double our bed capacity to get to their bed capacity. Yeah. So that means building lots of hospitals and, you know, building lots and lots of capacity, right? And a significant increase in number of doctors per capita. So we need to have more doctors well, and, and we, more beds. And and we need to pay nurses properly, you know, so we so we retain the nurses that we're actually training. Yeah. But, you know, the interesting thing about nurses and teachers, I've also thought we need to pay them properly, but you, you kind of forget that nurses and teachers, right, this is an internationally traded job like those, those yes. guys go yeah, to the yeah, uae and dubai and they're getting loads of money tax-free so you know they like when my mum like retired teacher there wasn't a notion that teacher was sort of a job you could migrate with or although bizarrely we were i was supposed to be canadian do you know that my parents <laughs> said my parents had uh, visas really? to go to canada in 1962 or three to go to quebec to go to montreal and mum had a job in in in, in wow. a school in montreal and dad was dad was looking for a job. I was going to look for a job there. Yeah. And they got cold feet. I could have been a Quebecois. Wow. I could have been a French-speaking paddy. You wouldn't have survived the cold. I <laughs> tell you, I was in bloody Alberta. It was minus 30 the last week. <laughs> no. oh, now, but I wish to come back to our topic, John. Yes. We need a huge increase in capacity in the health system to deal with this new population dynamic. Yeah. And of course, we need to look at our education system, Right. How do you integrate two education systems, number one? And how do you educate all these kids? Because these populations imply that there's going to be about 1 million to 1.3 million school children in Ireland, primary and post-primary. Yeah. This is huge. Now, if you take the European average, think about the amount of students to every teacher. In Ireland, the figure is 22 students to every one teacher, right? In the European EU average, it's 13. Wow. Right? Really? So, and, and I, again, I kind of find that 22 to 1 a bit conservative, actually, because in all the schools, like I know in all my kids' classes, it was more on the 28 to 30. But anyway, maybe that's that, that Dublin schools uh, again. But it's also this is the problem with the aggregate. Remember? Uh, you yes. Know, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Did yeah. I tell you that 92% of university professors, 92% of them think they're good, above average intelligence? <laughs> Right, so everyone always you actually because you're a no, no, I'm low average intelligence. <laughs> I don't know, but the thing is that the thing is that you know, and it's when when it comes to health and education and all these issues, everybody starts with their own personal story, and then they build their narrative around that, yeah. which is completely understandable. Yeah. yeah, but the objective of economic statistics is to say, okay, that's your story, but it doesn't actually reflect the average experience. But the average experience here means that if we want to get to the European level of teachers to students, that 13 to 1, we need 100,000 teachers at least in the country. Right. right? Okay. So think about that. Yeah, that's, a yeah, lot. Yeah. that's a lot of know-alls. Yeah. There's a lot of people telling you what to do all the time. There's a lot of training going and on. I, as and I'm from a family of teachers, so I know, I know, I know what, mm. you know. So we need a huge amount of just teachers just to maintain the standards of Europe. If we want to be like Austria, right? If yeah. we want to be like Switzerland, even in transport, the Austrians have about 20,800 kilometers of roads and rail, right? Yeah. Much more highly biased towards rail as well, right? Yes. Yeah, and yeah. of course, in this united Ireland, we would have to try and hit that level. And we've much less. Well, maybe we should just start with getting a, a track going up to Donegal for a start. 
a road to Donegal and a train from Derry to Cork. Yes, yes, now, yeah, yeah. Going like Derry down to Galway, Limerick, Cork. And, and because the amazing thing yeah. is that the amazing thing is that public rail and road infrastructure changes the mental map of the country profoundly. So if you look at a map of Ireland, right, you have this sort of radial around from Dublin. Mm. So you've like Dublin Galway, Dublin Cork, Dublin Belfast, right? So your perception of what the country looks like is based on the road network. But you can change that if you actually put yeah, a, a rail point. network yeah. in. Your mental map changes. Now, if this new country will have this bias towards the East Coast, it means the West Coast has to be serviced much better with rail and road and internet and all that sort of stuff yeah. because you need people to live there. You can't have this sucking towards Dublin, well, Belfast. What about our holiday homes? What Exactly. Your holiday home, for exactly. <laughs> no, your mates down around stone. Exactly. And then, of course, housing is the big one, right? Mm. Austria is the gold standard of housing in Europe, okay? They produce cooperative housing. They have low rents. Vienna, apparently, is a very, very, very livable and affordable city. Yeah. Right? Beautiful city, actually. And it comes out number one or number two on these all these indices of mm. best places to live, right? They have 550 units per thousand of population. So 550, it means that less than two Austrians live in every house. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> so 1.9, 1.95 Austrians live in each dwelling, right? Okay. Now we, Irish population, family sizes are going that way, right? Yeah. So imagine that they have 550 units per thousand we have 400 units per thousand because Irish families used to be very big. But now Irish families are getting small. And this is where you see the real problem in housing market is we need one and two bedroom flats because lots of people are single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots absolutely. of people are remaining single. Lots of people are, don't have kids. You know, all sorts of change in the, in the dynamics and the nature yeah. of, of what. And of course, the Austrians are about 40 years ahead of us in all this. So we need to do that. But just to give you a sobering thought, we need to get up to the Austrian figure, right? Mm. That implies that we will have to almost double our housing stock. We've got to build about 1.9 million houses in the next 30 years because we've got about 2 million houses in the country. Yeah, yeah. The unfortunate thing, John, and it's an unfortunate thing, is do you know how many new homes we built per 1,000 residents of Dublin last year? How many? Not 100, not 400, not 500, not 550. Four. Four. Just four. Wow. <laughs> per thousand. Yes. Wow. So that means... But in fairness, though... That means we've got to build a hell of a lot really quickly. But there is a lot of building going on at the moment. I mean, certainly when I drive around the city, you know, there's a lot of apartment blocks in particular going up. Yeah, there are. Which is really encouraging. And we've got to keep doing that and keep yeah. doing it. So the whole point of this discussion is, Plan, plan, plan. Yeah. I called you Roy Keane. I didn't call you. I referred to as Roy Keane at the top. And what did he always say? To know. Remember Roy Keane was talking with that Saipan and he said, yeah. fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Yeah. So we now know what the objective is. We're going to have a population of 10 million, right? There's no point running the country as if the population's four and a half million anymore. There's we, no point running the country. We need Roy Keane in here we, to run the place. God, could you, could you imagine? Imagine the, it would work. Could you imagine the stares he'd give you? But also, <laughs> could you imagine the crack? He's really funny. Anyway, that's it. Roy Keane, the saviour of the football team. And he can, I actually saw Kevin Kilban was in the paper today. 
uh, saying that we could have won the World Cup 20 years ago. <laughs> Based the, on what? Zinedine Kilban himself. <laughs> Based on the fact that we were actually, in Saipan, were a good team. Right. And as we're talking about the World Cup, you know, it's, it's, like, the, it's like the Italian 90, where actually Irish people thought that we won it. Yeah. But yeah. we actually got knocked out in the quarterfinals yeah. by Toto Scalacci. I'll just tell you one last story about Toto Scalacci, right? <laughs> my cousins from Cork, to get back to my cousins yeah, from Cork. They're, they, they're cropping up a lot these days. My cousins from Cork took in a stray dog, which they disliked so much. It was such an old hound, you know what they called him? Scalacci. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you on Thursday. <laughs> John, just before we go. Yes. After the Scalashi comment? Yes. I'm still laughing. It's, it's a good one. <laughs> Lucy has a new video out for her single, Bumblebees. It's I, I, on. A song I absolutely love. We're going to play, I'm not just gonna, saying that. I really do we're gonna love We're going to play it. out with it, but she's got a new video. Check it out on YouTube. Lucy McWilliams, the video of Bumblebees. I think it's amazing. It's really good. It is. And she's supporting Inhaler. You know, and they were all in class and school together. Brilliant. Herself and Inhaler next week from the 1st of December. Two nights in the Olympia. So, if you want to see the loose. Fantastic. And Inhaler are a great band as well. Yeah, and you're yeah. supporting them in the Olympia. 1st of December and the 2nd of December. Two nights. And check out on YouTube this video. And we play out with Bumblebees.
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 